Welcome to a special episode of the Programmatic Digest podcast. We're doing things a bit different this week as we partner with the U of Digital. Before I let founder Shiv Gupta give you some exciting news, we both hope and pray that this episode finds you and your family healthy and safe during this very uneasy coronavirus time. Take it away, Shiv. Hi, this is Shiv, founder of U of Digital, an ad tech and martech education company. We put out a newsletter every week on the industry with summaries of top headlines and our perspective. We strive to make the newsletter simple and applicable, and most importantly, fun. The Programmatic Sensei was kind enough to ask me to join the Programmatic Digest podcast regularly and give an overview of what we've recently covered in our newsletter. So I'm going to do this for this first initial episode. I'm going to review our top headlines from the last four or so newsletters that we put out and give you a quick recap of what we wrote about each of them. We'll give this format a whirl and we'll see how it goes. And over time, we'll keep iterating and tinkering uh, to try to improve. Please, please send us your feedback so we can get better. We'll kick things off with an article from Ad Exchanger titled Group M Partners with Index Exchange as Holdco's Lean into SSPs. To summarize the article, WPP's Group M, which is the largest media buying group of agencies in the world, will route most of their programmatic spend through the supply-side platform known as Index Exchange per a non-exclusive agreement that the parties expect to sign shortly. Now, this deal revolves around the practice of supply path optimization, or SPO, which has become popular in the industry recently. Uh, And in this practice, buyers look to optimize programmatic paths to inventory by suppressing duplicative paths that aren't as efficient. So in theory, this partnership should enable Group M's advertisers to run a more effective SPO strategy given the bulk discounts uh, that Group M will be accessing from Index Exchange. Now, our opinion on this particular article is that while this may be seen as a huge win for Index Exchange, we think it's actually a major red flag for a few reasons. One, Having to cut rates in exchange for bulk buying seems like a pretty undifferentiated strategy. If index exchange was offering something of real value that was differentiated, they they would have been able to sell on its own merits, as opposed to offering up discounts in exchange for bulk buying. Number two, agencies typically prey on weak technology players. When's the last time you saw an agency or a hold co cut a deal with an Amazon or a Facebook or a Google uh, in exchange for bulk buying? It just doesn't typically happen because those companies are offering products that they feel confident uh, that they can sell at full price to the agencies. Now, it's important to note that this is not just an index exchange issue. This is an issue across the entire supply side of the ecosystem. Uh, Because of header bidding, a lot of the SSPs and exchanges have become commoditized in recent years. In addition, we've seen demand-side platforms like the Trade Desk start to bypass them by replicating their products and the value that they're providing to the ecosystem. So in order to stay relevant, SSPs and exchanges are going to have to be innovative. They're going to have to consolidate. They're going to have to do new and different things uh, in order to stay relevant and not go extinct. This particular type of activity um, with a partnership between Index Exchange and Group M does not really bode well for the long-term prospects of an Index Exchange. The next article we're going to talk about was featured in Ad Exchanger, and it was titled, Can Quibi Live Up to Its 
$5 billion valuation. Quibi, which is a short-form mobile video ad-supported subscription app, which will launch in April of 2020, has raised another $750 million in funding, bringing its total investment to $1.75 billion. That is a tremendous amount of investment for an app that still hasn't even launched yet. Names of the investors for this latest round were not disclosed, and the valuation of the company per this latest round was also not disclosed. Quibi was founded by former DreamWorks CEO Jeffrey Katzenberg and former HP CEO Meg Whitman. When they launch in April, they will be offering two subscription tiers, one for $4.99 a month, which will, which will be ad-supported, and another for $7.99 a month, which will be ad-free. The service apparently gives users quick bite episodic video content, hence the name Quibi for quick bite. Shows typically fall into one of three categories, either movies and chapters, unscripted, or docs, and all episodes are no longer than 10 minutes each. Stars like Liam Hemsworth, Reese Witherspoon, and Chrissy Teigen will have original shows on Quibi once it launches. Our opinion on Quibi, so first of all, we hadn't even heard of it until we saw this article, which is a little bit embarrassing, but true. Uh, apparently, Quibi did run a Super Bowl ad this year, and they've been spending a ton of money on paid advertising. So they're really trying to get their name out there in a big way, and they, they can afford to, right? They have $1.75 billion in funding already. Now, the big make-or-break question for Quibi is going to be, can they create sticky, buzzy enough content that becomes must-watch? Uh, that's going to be the the key uh, the key for them to be able to create a viable streaming service that is differentiated from the others and that, that can gain traction in a pretty crowded marketplace. A lot of these investors are betting on Jeffrey Katzenberg's record. Uh, he spent time at Paramount, Disney, and was the founder of DreamWorks. So he has a, a, a long history of, of being very successful when it comes to creating great original content. Now, what makes the proposition a little bit trickier is that this is a super crowded market, as I mentioned earlier. You can have awesome content, but if you're charging consumers for a subscription uh, and they've already racked up a bunch of monthly fees for things like Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus and NBA League Pass and just a bunch of other services, are they going to be willing to tack on another? Especially when the service is new, right? So it doesn't have a brand name. Uh, and it's not necessarily differentiated in the minds of consumers as of yet because it just has a host of new shows as opposed to well-established shows like, let's say, The Office uh, or Modern Family, etc. Now, there's a world in which Quibi will put out great content but still isn't able to get enough traction with the exclusive subscription app to make the math work out for them, right? They're spending a ton of money on original content uh, and they're still going to be ad supported. They're still going to be trying to charge consumers for a subscription and that's going to be hard to do. So at some point they may end up deciding, and we think this is more likely than not, they may end up deciding to license their content out to other streaming providers, let's say a Hulu or uh, let's say a Pluto, Pluto TV or a Roku, and that might make more business sense for them. Right now, we're seeing a proliferation of a ton of new streaming services, but over time, consumers will dictate which ones will win out, uh, and which ones they want to prioritize versus which ones they want to cut out. And over time, what we're prob probably going to see is a lot of these streaming services are going to shutter and they're going to just license their content to the streaming services that are uh, still functioning and are being supported by the dollars of the consumer. The next article we're going to talk about was featured in Reuters on March 11th, 2020. 
titled Exclusive CEO of AT&T Ad Unit Xander Resigns. So in summary, Brian Lesser, the CEO of AT&T's advertising unit Xander, is reportedly resigning. It's unclear when he will officially move out of the role and who will be taking over for him. Lesser apparently interviewed to be CEO of AT&T's media business, Warner Media, but was told that he would probably not get that job. Now, just a quick history on, on Brian Lesser. He previously served as CEO of Group M North America. He founded Xander under AT&T, uh, led the acquisitions of AppNexus, one of the leading ad exchanges in the industry and one of the original programmatic players in the space. And then he also led the acquisition more recently of TV supply side platform Clipped. Our opinion on this article, it's pretty unclear as of now why Lesser is resigning, right? There could be a bunch of different reasons. He could be annoyed by not getting the Warner Media CEO job. Xander could be going downhill, which there's a lot of evidence for. Uh, and he sees that writing on the wall, so he's getting out before his name becomes associated with a failure. Maybe he's not being supported by AT&T in building the business through investments and acquisitions, given that AT&T has a ton of debt. Maybe he's just looking for a new challenge. There's some rumors that Xander is going to be folded into Warner Media, and maybe Brian Lesser wants nothing to do with that. Or maybe AT&T is actually pushing Brian Lesser out the door, right? We don't know. Um, and maybe they're doing so because the business just hasn't performed in the way that they wanted it to when they created it a couple of years ago. There's a bunch of evidence that supports all of those theories and bits and pieces, uh, but the bottom line is Brian Lesser's leaving. We don't know why. Uh, we can only really make conclusions about what that means for the business moving forward. So what is going on with Xander? We feel like the business is probably not doing so well for a few reasons. One, stitching together businesses is really hard, as we've seen time and time again in this space. AT&T has acquired a ton, of, a ton of companies here, AppNexus, Time Warner, Clipped, just to name a few of them. When all these businesses come together with their own people, their own culture, vision, technology, it's hard to put it all together. And again, we've seen that time and time again in this space. Xander did a lot of over-promising and under-delivering, uh, in our opinion. So they came out of the gate really hot uh, with a ton of buzzy marketing, calling themselves the future platform for buying data-driven premium TV and video inventory at scale. They kept the marketing hits coming with the launch of Community, which was their premium video marketplace. They rebranded AppNexus into Xander Invest and Monetize. Uh, and then they announced that the AT&T data is going to be available within the demand-side platform for targeting. We mentioned already that they acquired Clipped. So they did a lot of different marketing uh, and PR activities in the last couple of years, which created a lot of expectations right for the company now per some reporting in ad exchanger from a few months ago uh agency buyers are are kind of they're feeling like the product just hasn't lived up to those expectations which is not a great position to be in and then finally this is a really crowded market right xander's trying to eat into market share from google facebook amazon the trade desk it's not easy to do that they're also in a field of very strong competitors, such as Verizon Media, Roku, Comcast, Adobe, Amobi, just to name a few of them. Uh, and they really have yet to break through that clutter in a meaningful way. Finally, the last thing we want to say here is uh, Xander has a similar story to another uh, telco that went down the same path a few years ago, Verizon Media. And we can all pretty much agree that Verizon Media hasn't been super, super successful in what they set out to do. Now, Xander obviously did 
they executed their strategy in a different way, right? They acquired Time Warner, which from a content perspective is a lot more powerful, arguably, than let's say AOL and Yahoo. But still, it's it's the same kind of playbook and it did not work out well for Verizon. You know, not, nothing is telling us that in Xander's case, it's going to go any better than it did for Verizon. So we'll see what happens. The last article we want to talk about was featured in Campaign and it's titled TikTok Opens Up to Programmatic with the Trade Desk Deal. To summarize the article, TikTok, the social video app, which is rapidly gaining adoption, has partnered with one of the industry-leading demand-side platforms, the Trade Desk, to offer programmatic private marketplace buying of its ad inventory in APAC specifically. This deal should enable customers of the Trade Desk to access TikTok inventory alongside other programmatic buys in their platform. The first advertiser taking advantage of this new setup will be PepsiCo on behalf of the Lay's brand, specifically in Thailand. Our opinion on this article is that although the partnership is limited in scope as of now to the APAC region and to private marketplace buying of TikTok inventory, we believe it is a sign of things to come for both TikTok, the trade desk, and the industry at large. We're actually going to assume that it is, and we're going to give you some of our conclusions based on that. First off, major publishers like TikTok and think Snapchat and Twitter and Pinterest, etc., they want to be able to offer their customers DSP-like capabilities to enable programmatic buying of their inventory and targeting of their data across the open web. Now, building these programmatic capabilities is hard to do, and buying them is expensive. Partnering is a low barrier to entry way to experiment. Now, in the past, we haven't seen companies partner in this way, but with Walmart recently saying that they're testing out Xander and uh, the Trade Desk for this type of capability, and now with TikTok, we're seeing that some of these walled gardens and social platforms are more open to partnering and white labeling platforms in order to experiment and see how this goes for them. Uh, another point to make here is that some of these companies view the leaders of the programmatic space, such as Google and Amazon, as major competitors, which actually positions independent platforms like the Trade Desk and MediaMath really well to be partners or white label solutions for some of these publishers or walled gardens. So we're assuming that this particular partnership is actually a precursor to TikTok partnering with the Trade Desk to offer their customers DSP-like capabilities across their ad products in the future. Now, one more important point to make here is uh, we believe that publishers and walled gardens are seeing an opportunity to become a player in the programmatic space, but they don't necessarily believe the right way to do it is to create another buying door. Right? We've seen that the industry has become so cluttered with different DSPs and buy-side platforms, and some of these walled gardens are starting to say, you know what, instead of us creating another buying door for buyers, we're actually just going to partner right, with the existing buying doors that are out there, like the Trade Desk or, let's say, a Media Math or Google, etc., um, now, a lot of companies in recent years have made the opposite decision, right, to build their own tech and then require advertisers use that tech in order to access their inventory or data. Think AT&T or Washington Post with the Zeus platform or Roku with their acquisition of DataZoo. Um, and ultimately, some of those companies may end up regretting that decision, right? Again, the industry has become so fragmented. There's so many different buying doors out there. Uh, and ultimately, customers are starting to say, hey, you know what? We're actually willing to forego inventory from X and Y social platform because they're requiring us to use their tech. And we just, we don't think that's worth it. Um, 
you know, obviously TikTok and and now Walmart uh, have have decided that they don't think it's worth creating their own buying door and partnering makes most sense. The last conclusion we want to make from this particular article is that the Trade Desk, again in the news, um, one of the most powerful independent DSPs in the space, continues to circumvent the supply side. In this case, they are powering TikTok's private marketplaces uh, for programmatic buying, which traditionally has been a supply side platform capability. So it's really interesting to see the Trade Desk um, kind of wade their way into these waters. Uh, they've also joined pre-bid, right? So, so potentially they will be cutting out um, some of the SSPs and integrating directly uh, through header bidding uh, with publishers, right? So again, the trade desk continues to circumvent the supply side, uh, and they believe that they can grow their business in this way. Um, so we'll see what kind of comes of all of this uh, in the future. We think the trade desk will be empowered uh, and, and will succeed at this strategy, um, you know, and now they're starting to replicate what they did with trading desks by selling to publishers and, and allowing publishers to white label their platform uh, in order to gain adoption in the space. So that concludes uh, our summary of our ma major headlines that we highlighted in our, in our newsletter over the last month or so. Obviously, a ton more happened, including uh, streaming services, Zumo and Tubi getting acquired, Facebook no longer passing device ID within their app, the Trade Desk reporting their Q4 earnings, and then, of course, everything related to coronavirus. Uh, please head over to our website, uof.digital backslash newsletters, uh, to keep up with the headlines. You can subscribe using the promo code 2MOFREE to get two months free of, of access to our newsletter. We would love to have you join our community. And then, of course, if you don't join or if you do join but just want the audio version, please continue to come back to the Programmatic Digest podcast. We expect to be here regularly kind of summarizing everything that we've written about over the last four weeks or so. And that's a wrap on our first ever Programmatic Digest and You Digital Collaboration pod. Thanks for listening. Thank you.